Hi, welcome to the podcast, Hashing It Out Personals. I'm here with D. Ferguson. Hi, D. How's it going? What's going on, Jesse? How's it uh, going? Like, <laughs> it's going. It's going. I'd like you to tell me a little bit about yourself. I want you to go way back, like childhood days. I want okay. you to talk about who you were. Mm. Okay. That's deep. Just get going. Just get yeah. after it. Okay. Just dry. Um, well, I'd have to imagine that because of the amount of energy that I harness on a daily basis, I was conceived in the throes of passion. Right. I'm pretty sure my mom and dad had a, had a good combination of expensive liquor and cheap wine in their belly. And uh, they looked at each other and their their eyes sockets aligned. You know, like the uh, stars in the night and just Big Bang Theory. You know what I'm saying? And uh, then I was conceived, right? Imagine it was at the turn of the year. My birthday's a little later in the year. So, you know, I got to incubate. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about my childhood. Um, what about my childhood specifically? So, That's so a I guess, big question. I guess- so we're this is this is generally a podcast about blockchain yes but more generally it's about how computers connect to each other Mm -hmm. now what was your first interaction with computers back when you were a kid there we go that's narrowed it down so my first interaction with computers was i was four and a half four years old in between Mm -hmm. you know preschool and kindergarten uh my pops built us a computer um he my my pops is still is soon to retire but he's a software engineer um, for um, or telecommunications engineer i think is his official role uh for the government and uh, he's always been way into things like building Uh, i think these days they call them maker spaces but he always had something he's always building something always fixing something jack of all trades uh, master of a few of those trades and he was always upgrading his computer he upgraded his and then he gave us his old one and um i was about four i think i was it was running like prodigy or something like that it was just super duper old it was running um i can't remember before windows right this was right before windows right and i just remember he was like my brother would have been eight and my brother was was like uh this was this would have been 1989 to 1990 right and uh my brother was eight so he was just like this is way wacker than my atari so i will never touch it but since he was the older brother he got to play atari and nintendo i got to just look at some old ass computer and just like push buttons and like working through like ms dos and like just messing around with keyboard combinations until it would say something that wasn't error you know, and I, that's how I figured out like how to open up a folder from MS DOS and stuff like that. I just like would remember the combinations of stuff I was typing in, right? And that was my first computer, right? And uh, then, um, then when Windows like whatever what was before Windows ninety eight or ninety five came out, was it just called Windows like Windows three point one or some shit like? Anyways, I don't remember. When Windows came out, like my mind was like, wow, I was like, oh, my God, this is so much easier than MS-DOS. Like I can point this little mouse and like click on stuff and it's doing stuff. This is the stuff I always wanted to do. I just didn't know what I was doing. Right. And so that happened. And shortly after. Right. That would have been like 1992, 93. Um, Yeah. So I've always had a computer in my room. I've always played around with like. You know, when you have an older brother, they get to play the, the gaming system and they're like, come watch me play this one player game. And I'm like, no, that's it's whack. I, and so I would just play on the computer, but there was no play because like computer games kind of sucked. There was like the solitaire pinball. Yeah, I remember pinball. Minesweeper. Minesweeper. Which, yeah, for a child, Minesweeper is next level. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. But I'm gonna click as fast as I can until it explodes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It wasn't until I got older where I was like, "Oh, these numbers mean something." Um, I just, I just thought like the more numbers I have, the higher 
the the better I'm doing. And that, that made some kind of intuitive sense. Um, yeah, so I was just playing around on Windows, like go into like the control panel, uh, go into the device manager, go into like, I was like, didn't know that I was sneakily teaching myself stuff that is considered advanced computer use these days. Like if you go to a normal person, you're like, you need to go to the control panel. They're like, go to the Go to the what? What do, do I hit the window button? And I'm like, Jesus Christ, they really they've been dumbing this down for some decades for everybody, I guess. So, um, yeah, so that was like those my first interaction with the computer was just having one in my, my bedroom. Oh, OK, um, from a very age, young age. And I think my pops, it was funny. My pops found a TV monitor in the gutter, literally. Like we went on a family walk and there was a yeah. TV monitor that somebody had just thrown into the into the dirt like a crt monitor yeah yeah it was like an eight inch monitor it was like this big and he tells my brother and me he's like hey, go pick up that monitor and we're like go pick up trash and he's like it's not trash they just don't know what they're doing and i was like okay so we're like walking for a mile carrying the crt monitor we put it on the dining room table he like cracks it open he has like a master's in a degree that's probably doesn't make sense these days but i believe it's like elect electro mechanic something that it's just he knows electronics he can build uh, he can fix chipsets and put chipsets together and stuff like that like he'll order bags of capacitors and just have them laying around so anyways he fixes the crt monitor and that's our first monitor right and then that christmas we asked for a tv and instead of a tv he found a tv tuner this is this is really kicking it back to old school he found a TV tuner in a dumpster and he fixed that and hooked it up to our monitor. <laughs> so our first TV was like an eight inch CRT with this big TV tuner underneath it that you had to put a battery in to work. Mm -hmm. Right. And the battery would go out like once a year. So it was very funny. Like when my friends came over, they were like, hey, let's watch TV. And I'm like, well, you turn that TV on up there. Then you got to turn this TV tuner on. Then you got to tune it to the right frequency and you got to make sure the battery's plugged in all the way. If the battery's not plugged in all the way, the TV's not going to work. And then your friends, who are also dumb kids, look at you like, uh, I think you're poor, man. I think I think you're poor. Like, we, <laughs> we're living in the same neighborhood, but my TV works a lot easier than this. So anyways. So fast forward a few years. So you grew up with computers. Did that mm -hmm. affect you choosing? Like, what did you study in, in college? Jesus, you said a few years. That's like... A lot of years. That's a lot of years. Um, so I'm not a good student. I've never been a good student. I stopped being a good student in middle school, right? I, I there was like a magic moment happened, right? You know how you can remember. Sometimes you remember back, like when was the moment that changed things, and it was the perfect moment when I got my first C in the seventh grade. Okay. And my pops at the time was commuting three hours away every week and coming back home. So when he saw my report card, like he didn't even fight it. Like I was like, man, I have a supreme ass whooping coming right now. I accepted it. I was like, yeah, when he sees this report card, I'm he's going to he's going to whoop my ass into dust. You remember what it was in? Uh, Yeah, it was in history, Texas history, because who the fuck cares about just Texas history? But anyways, according to Texans, sorry, this is good tangent according to texans the united states would not exist if it were not for them fighting off mexico but what they don't realize is there was a whole lot of other people in that fight too not just texas so like california gets no credit new mexico arizona those territories they get no credit it was just texas that fought mexico and now we get to exist as a country so that's just a that's just a thing yeah. for the audience to know. So anyways, get my C, Texas history. Um, Pops comes home late Friday night, obviously from driving half across Texas. And he's like, uh, what's this about? And I was like, it's about grades, bro. That's what it's about. It's about it's about bad grades. <laughs> I'm like, I'm ready for it. Like, I think I had a pillow on my pants because I was ready for the whooping to come. Because that's Had how yourself? I would, uh -huh. Yeah, I would, I would get ready for it. And he was just like, look, now you know what it takes to do the minimum and you know what it takes to, to be great. So the choice is yours. And I was like, perfect. 
this is perfect. If it's this easy to pass and do the minimum, this is great. This this frees up my whole afternoon and evening for video games and hanging out with my friends. If all I got to do is that little bit of work, right? It, it had the opposite effect. I think he thought he was like having a moment, but he just gave me more freedom than I needed as a child. And I was like, I'm going to take those extra hours I would be studying and not. And I'm going to play <laughs> play video games. I'm going to get it all 152 stars on Super Mario 64. All right, I'm going to perfect Wave Race 64. Anyways, so I wasn't the best student, but I had an acumen for techn technical stuff and math. Um, more so science than math. Uh, so, you know, I always did well in those classes because they're naturally intriguing. In English, they're like, let's read a story about these kids that walk through a closet and behind the closet is some goats that talk. And I'm like, this is some whack shit. But math and science was always interesting. Science, you know, teaches you how stuff works. Math teaches you the language of how that stuff works. So it just was a natural connection. So um, fast forward to college. Um, I went to Texas Tech University. Shout out to Patrick Mahomes. Um, everyone else from there can kiss my ass. Um, and uh, didn't do well. The, the the pattern repeated all the way through. Did great in my science and math courses. Did bad in my everything else courses. Um, you know, had a, just never been a good student ever. Um, but made it through. And I ended up, I started as a mechanical engineering major. I ended up changing to mathematics and I ended up leaving Texas Tech with a, a bachelor's in, in math, a minor in English, a minor in Spanish and a minor in. Uh, no, I didn't get the minor in mechanical engineering, but I got pretty close. That's it. Um, that's my education. It's as far as I've gotten. Cool. And then, and then how did you get into like, I guess the space blockchain related uh, stuff, man? Well, I, first of all, I have to thank, uh, Dr. Corey Petty for getting me into this space or at least peaking my, no, there's no, at least like if it weren't for Dr. Petty or for Corey, I would not be in this. I wouldn't care about it at all. Right. So Corey and I went to school together. Uh, Corey and I met, uh, during Halo 2. I don't know what year that is, but the audience will Google it. I don't know. Halo 2. We played in Halo 2 tournaments. We had Halo 2 fun. We had college fun. We, you know, Corey had a house. It was a party house. Ain't no way around it. There was a lot going on in those houses. He had two houses. One was a party house. The second one was a better party house. Right? Uh, we had a great time. Uh, Corey was a better student than I was. In fact, when Corey and I met each other, we were in the same classes. Uh, but obviously, he's got a PhD behind his name, and I do not. He's a much better student than I am. Uh, and honestly, just I, half the time, he was teaching me shit in the class. I would just like look at him work, take mental notes of what was going on, <laughs> and then go pass my tests. That's pretty much like I'll be asking him questions like, so what's going on here? Is, what is multivariable calculus here? What's going on here? What are we going to do first? You know, <laughs> and he, we just work together. I think he probably learned more by teaching me. Mm -hmm. And that's probably because, you know, you learn more when you teach people. Yeah. So Corey's been my my friendly, uh, my, my, my best friend slash brother slash tutor for, for many a year now. Um. So he got you into this how? Okay, so we all lived in party houses. I don't know why that's such a thing, but obviously, you know, it stuck in my head because we had a good time. <laughs> I moved out of the house. Um, I graduated. I was like, hey, guys, I've finished my stint. I'm going to go get a career or whatever. That wasn't even it. I was just moving out and going home. Uh, I think most that's what happened. Now I remember. My pops had very, very recently had a severe heart attack. So because I was broke, instead of teaching in Lubbock, which was my plan, so I could continue living in the party house, 
and just my my students would never know that I teach during the week and rage on the weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually moved out of the house to go be home with my parents, make sure my dad wasn't eating himself into an early grave and uh, my mom could handle things. So I went back and I had no intent of teaching. I literally applied to teach on a whim, right? I, you know, that's what it was. I was like, man, I need something to do because I can't just stay here and make sure my dad's eating right. That's not going to pay the bills. Uh, Uncle Sam and uh, once I had a mistress named Sally Mae, she was knocking at the door for some money, right? So I just applied to become a teacher. I was teaching for about a year uh, when Corey hit me up. And, and Corey and I both have an, had an affinity for investing, right? We had E-Trade accounts. At one, one small month in the summer, we were like trading pink sheet stocks. Like we were like, this one's going to be a banger. This one's it's going to move from a tenth of a penny to a half a penny. And let me tell you something, that's going to buy us a lot of kegs. And we were like, we were like all we were missing was like cigarettes and a Coke habit. And we were like in the pink sheets. We were almost Wall Street. We were, we were in it, in that little college house. We were logging into E-Trade. We were looking at charts. We were trying to make sense of it. We were mm -hmm. researching companies, which, which, by the way, the same stuff that happens in crypto happens in the pink sheets. So I don't understand why people want to like act like this is new. Forums, people talking that shit, fake businesses. There was a business that was like supposedly in Lubbock. So I drove by that address on my way mm -hmm. home to visit my parents one day. And it did not exist. I was like, hey, guys, I think that pink sheet that we put all that money in is fake because this address, there's nothing here. I'm here. I'm physically standing where this is supposed to be. And there's yeah. no there's no building here. That picture is fake. And I was like, OK, so that taught me a lot about investing that summer that like, hey, if you're not on the inside, you're, you're not going to get in on it. You're not. It's those stocks like Coinbase, stocks like Facebook, that stuff, the people have their money in it so long before it even hits Wall Street. It's over for you. It's over, right? Like it's all just an inside game. And the trick is to, to know enough people to get inside enough. And that's with any new investment, anything. So um, we had this infinity for investing and uh, we tried some stuff, didn't work out hit a couple licks on pink sheets about a year after he's like, Hey man, like I think he started mining uh Litecoin and he got really into, I think he was mining Litecoin to flip it to Bitcoin. And he calls me and he's like, Hey man, there's this thing called Bitcoin. Um, I think you should look into it. And he sends me the white paper. I read like the first two pages and then I'm like, uh, you know, I think my exact words were, I don't, really know what you want me to do with this digital monopoly money like if i wanted monopoly money i would go got, buy a monopoly board game and i would play around with that and he's like all right man i just thought it'd be interesting you know you know how Corey is he's not gonna like push something on you he's not gonna be like get involved buy this shit he's just gonna be like hey man this is pretty cool you should take a look at it and yeah. so months go by and at the time he told me about it i could have you know, I had saved some money in college from working. I could have bought a, a significant amount of Bitcoin. I think the price was like sub $300, right? It was not very expensive at all. And then eight months go by and he calls me again. And he's like, hey, man, remember that Bitcoin thing? And I was like, you talking about that monopoly money? <sighs> Bullshit. And he was like, well, it's it's worth like thousand dollars right now 890 something like that and it's going up and i was like and i just did the knack of math i was like okay so missed the boat missed the boat big time so then i revisited the white paper and i i read it all the way through the second time and um you know i just got a bachelor's of math i don't i'm pretty sure everyone working in crypto now on the infrastructure level has so they're doing math that I just would, it just would look like the, the hieroglyphics in the movie Stargate to me. I would just be like, oh, I see. I see you've got a summation sign there. I'm familiar. I see a grand samata. That's about it. Everything else I would just be like, hmm, 
that's a function I need to look at for a month. Uh, but what I found fascinating about the white paper was it was using some of the principles that I'd learned in undergrad in my like basic introduction to um, real analysis and, and foundations of algebra. Um, more specifically on the foundations of algebra was um, the uh, small section that we had to learn uh, about cryptography and about uh, modular arithmetic. And my professor was really into modular arithmetic and we spent some time on it and I thought it was fun. And I've also, I've used Modulo uh, in my life. I use it for, when I recognize a pattern, I'll use Modulo to build dashboards for, for people, for clients. Um, but um, nevertheless, I was like, oh, this is like the applied version of the stuff I just learned. And uh, in that class, I, we happened to learn about like cracking passwords and how long, why it takes so long because these computers are just like brute force guessing these spaces of probability, like what is the password likely to be given, you know, this amount of characters uh, per slot, I guess. Yeah, it's like a permutations and combinatorics. Yes, absolutely that. And when I, I was like, oh yeah, like this is, this is unhackable. This is there's going to be infinity spaces forever. Um, this is obvious. These these um, these keys are obviously unique. And I was like, everything just kind of clicked like, oh, these are unique ones and zeros. That's pretty powerful to me. I was like, oh, like this is if this is the first time we figured out how to make unique ones and zeros. I think that's pretty dope. Right. Um, and I was like, oh, this is obviously going to be a big deal. So I, I dove in. So it was a combination of things, right? And this is the way I feel most people get into crypto. The people that get passionately behind crypto are usually people that were kind of like myself that have a tangential understanding and also are fiscally vulnerable. So what I mean by that is, um, you know, coming out of school, being a teacher, after being an undergrad almost a decade and being a teacher, I'm looking at a mountain of loan debt and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be paying these loans forever. And then I'm going to hand them to my children when I pass and they will be thankful for it. Uh, <laughs> and so that's what I was looking at. So I was like, I got to find a way as a teacher to make enough money to pay back this triple digit loan debt that I have amassed for myself. You mean like six? Six figures? Six figures, sorry. Six figures, not triple digits. Six figures. Um, be an extra three digits there. Right. So making what teachers make, I at the time, to make ends meet, I had to teach. I had to tutor for the district. And then when I was done tutoring for the district, I had to tutor privately for a yeah. company. And then on the weekends, I would tutor online. Right. So I technically have four jobs. So I was making a lot for a teacher, but I was really working hard, four jobs at once, uh, just 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 tutoring kids all day every day. Um, it was alright, it was alright, but I knew I had to make a lot of money or I was gonna forever be in debt. So the fiscal vulnerability I'm talking about is like, hey, if this thing keeps moving like it's moving, daddy's gonna be able to pay off these loans. Daddy's gonna have options. Right. So naturally, I'm not the kind of person that invests in something and doesn't figure out what I'm investing in. Uh, hence me taking a trip in the desert of Lubbock to see if this pink sheet company really existed. Right. Because <laughs> I was like, they're talking a lot of shit on the Internet. Yeah. But I don't think they're real. And so um, I went uh, I started diving into Bitcoin. R slash Bitcoin used to be useful. Um there, there was another Bitcoin talk. Well, Bitcoin talk was the, let's talk Bitcoin's the podcast. I think Bitcoin talk was the forum, if I'm not mistaken. Pat, if you're listening, can you correct me on that? Whatever forum that Satoshi was on, I think it's Bitcoin yeah. talk. Um, yeah, just... I was just soaking it all in, right? Just like understanding the hash rate. There used to be a website called uh, BitcoinWisdom.com where you could see the hash rate charts, and it would also connect the charts to the price. Uh, BitcoinWisdom.com is a very 
long-term throwback for, for you OGs in the audience, BitcoinWisdom.com. And I learned all about hash rate, uh, difficulty, what that means, why it adjusts, when it adjusts. Um, just got really into it. I also found this website called Let's uh, Learn Me a Bitcoin com which is just perfect um you know if you if you want to be leagues beyond your peer in crypto and understand this stuff at a very foundational level go to learnmeabitcoin.com um maybe we should put it maybe we should put it up there learn me yeah we can put it in the show notes i think learn it's me. a good recommendation and put it up there so anyways jesse and i went through that website and we had a great time with it um but anyways started learning how the technology works um so i could be in it for the tech you know what i mean no i'm kidding um but not really it's, it's like once when it hits you about how awesome this stuff can be it's like holy crap it just absorbs you um mm -hmm. and i've seen that happen to several people since i've been in crypto people that i've onboarded they're like whoa like you can do this and you can do that and well, wait a second. Then any data, and I'm like, no, don't get too, don't get too ahead of yourself with that any database talk. Reel it on back, reel, <laughs> reel it on back. But you know, I got absorbed with it after that second introduction from Corey, and then Corey showed me how to mine Litecoin. I went to a party with all of my old high school friends because I was home. And I was so absorbed with Bitcoin. It's all I could talk about at the party. I was that guy at the party. Uh, just all my friends from high school, mind you, we'd been graduated for like a decade, right? So they had like have kids and stuff. They don't care. They've been working already. They've been grinding already. They have, you know, receding hairline, flying back, grays. They don't care. They're like, Bitcoin, mm -hmm. what? I got to go to soccer practice three times a week, bro. I don't care about your damn Bitcoin. I was like... No, you don't. You don't get it, but you will. There was one friend there that got on the hype train with me. His name is Marcello. Y'all know Cello if y'all know me. Um, and he was like, what's you talking about money? And I was like, yeah, man, I'm talking about money. I'm talking about I think it could be worth a lot of money. And he said, you talking about money, money? I was like, yeah, like in the bank money. No, the conversation wasn't like a, a Wayans brother skit. Um. But uh, we got on board. We put our money together. And I hit up Corey. I was like, Corey, I got a big pile of money. What do I do with it? He was like, you need to buy these video cards, these motherboards, buy all this stuff. You need to build a miner. And I, I do that. Right? I get all these parts. And then I start building my miner and my, building my computer. I put, put it in my bedroom. And my pops naturally comes back into the picture. He's like, what, what you building there? Are you winning? And I was, I was like, I think I'm winning. And I told him what I was doing. And he was like, well, this is, first of all, I want to tell you this is stupid. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, what is this computer supposed to do? It doesn't have a CPU. This CPU is trash. It's all GPU. And I was like, yeah, dad, it's, it's, it's the script. It's Litecoin. You don't get it. You just don't. You're not cool. Like, you're not hip. Like, it's Litecoin. Get hip. It's the GPUs. They're hashing. Look at the GPUs running at max. He's like, why are your GPUs running at max? They're not doing anything. And I was like, no, they're guessing numbers. And he was like, huh. And just like in true dad form, he's like, that's a really shitty computer, but I can make it better with you. So then we went out <laughs> and we bought some metal from Lowe's and we built like a air free or sorry, like not encased. Uh, we we basically welded a frame to an old computer case so we could keep the GPUs outside of the, the, the case, the computer case. And then we fashioned a duct system so we could have the cool air from the air conditioner go straight into the graphics card and then the hot air come up above the system. So like my temperatures were amazing on my graphics card. We had four graphics cards in there. They were RT. Corey might remember they are. I don't remember they are. They're big and yellow and loud, and they were NVIDIA, I believe. Um, Corey's about to chime in. R7280s. R7280s. We had four of them. They were loud. Corey showed me how to hook it up, how to configure the miner, how to make it remotely talk to my phone 
so that I would get notifications if it went down and I could just start it. Like I would be in class and like, all right, kids. So we're, we're going to talk about isosceles right triangles. Uh, give me a second. I'm going to pull my phone. Meanwhile, telling the students, you can't have your phone in class. I was like, just give, I can have my phone. Do as I do, not as I say. And I'd hit the button to restart my minor and go back to the whiteboard. And um, so anyways, uh, we mine Litecoin. And, you know, when, when you're a miner, you're thinking you're doing something. You're like, oh, man, all this Litecoin coming into this wallet. When that price goes up, oh, boy, Lambo's for everybody. Like, you just have stupid young thoughts when, when you know, I was mining all that Litecoin. This would have been back in, like. Oh, Corey's holding up what is. Ah, there it is. I don't know if that's the card. Is That's it? the card. That's the exact that's the card. card. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he's nodding. Okay um that exact card is in this computer right now right now it's, it's, it's allowing us to do this there's no way that's wait there's no way you have an r7 280 in your desktop right now yeah i do that's what i'm using right now no way do you want me to prove it after the show wait, I can prove it. Hey, wait Corey, Corey, i I'm, I'm watching you in the corner nod yes if Corey or if d actually has an r7 280 in his he does what the hell all right. Okay. What is, I don't even know what you know. <laughs> what do you know that I don't know? I'm just like thinking I got a cool video card. That's uh, it's 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 old, but it's not like ancient. I remember when I was in college, I uh, there was a there was a PhD candidate student uh, doing chemical engineering and uh, no, sorry, chemistry, and he gifted me his 5850s, Radeon 5850s, and I thought I was high like doing some high performance computing back in the day but those were the release dates for that i think is 2009 yeah. but yeah the r7 280s are i guess 2014 but anyway i got this really yeah, go nice video card to yeah. do spreadsheets i'm good i'm good at spreadsheets let me tell you i'm throwing functions out by memory with the parameters like in google sheets or excel that's my jam i didn't even know google sheets or excel used gpus they don't they do? that's what i'm saying like i don't use this thing <laughs> i don't play games with it i don't do i just couldn't sell it and i was like hey i got some space in my computer let me just hook these wires up bow and okay. that's now now i got it in here i play games on the playstation and i don't even really use it anymore for anything now i know people in the cycle be like why don't you mine a quantum token and flip that into bbju token and then yeah. flip that into jujubes and i'll be like because i'm not gonna do that that's it's way too much effort okay so so you got into crypto for the financial reasons initially and my story is not too dissimilar because I jumped in in 2017 for financial reasons, because working as an engineer, I was not making anywhere near enough that I thought I would be making. Um, and so I wanted more like I wanted more money. I wanted to understand <laughs> why the world was the way it was. And my degree didn't, you know, basically come with more. And anyway, so financial vulnerability is is interesting that you bring up because you know that was that was how i got into crypto as well yeah. um but mine was more black market through video games right so like i traded uh beyond prices that were allowable in video game markets and by trading those rare items you have to look for ways in which you can kind of skirt the system right mm. so you can you know say the the steam marketplace limits items to four hundred dollars We'll say an item is to be charged uh, to be to be valued at you know two thousand dollars. How do you how do you transfer that amount of money? Oh, right. Also, so so the deal was you use a combination of Bitcoin and keys and in game uh, and in game items in order to kind of move those transactions. Anyway, long story short, um, yeah, I I. Uh, so you were a pirate? Wait. No, no, that's not how that counts. You were a. I'm just. I was just a trader, like you a, were just a savvy, fella. like a black market trader. It was the savvy fella. That's all you were, yeah. savvy. Well, so like it, it's it 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 for me like you I. Gotta say allegedly. You gotta say allegedly. By the way. No, no, no. I mean, it's okay. everybody. Every it's not illegal. Um. So I guess, video games and crypto in terms of, like fake money. 
I didn't see it as fake money. I saw it as real money in a digital economy, which is exactly what I'd been doing since I was nine playing RuneScape and using the grand exchange, which is essentially a stand in for a, a real exchange. So, so like crypto made a lot of sense to me as soon as I came across it, it's just, I didn't come across it earlier because I have no idea. I didn't have a Corey to send me the Bitcoin white paper. <laughs> That's hey, if you had if you would have had a Corey in your life, and that's I've always made it a, a point to not be the smartest person. When you're the smartest person in the room, you need to figure out how to get into a new room. And I have I had the luck of having best friends in college, you know, Corey, PhD in like quantum physics and chemistry, which is like this motherfucker's ant man. He's fucking Pim. That's him. And then his our other friend was fucking <laughs> he's literally i think he's building a quantum motor right now or something or was building a quantum motor but decided to take a break from the hard work to just like be a be a consultant in quantum physics because you know if you know as much if you know so much quantum physics you can consult it then so me with my bachelor's of math i was like hey guys i can uh i know the shit out of some algebra bro like if i mean that's my shit. Like, not to like so that's pretty much where where it stopped, right? And so I was never the smartest person in the room. But then one thing I observed, one thing that I think cripples crypto, and this is gonna hit Corey in the heart, is I I, I spent many a night being surrounded by highly educated people, and one thing that really highly educated people love is it winning a debate, and then on top of winning a debate being right and winning the debate it gets intense like the arguing gets to a point and i could never i never had a dog in in the fight in most of these arguments i would just be sitting listening and i was like damn these guys love to debate they love to go back and forth anything any topic was a debatable topic or uh, anything like i mean any movies yeah shows and the debate wasn't like, hey, is this show good? It would be like, let me tell you why this show is better. And it all has to do with the cinematography and the and the angles of the shading. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> you guys love it. You guys love it. So in crypto, That's I see that a lot. Yeah. I see that a lot in crypto. I see everyone is more excited about the date and the rightness than just doing stuff, getting stuff done and willing to be wrong. More stuff gets done by people who are willing to be wrong than everyone wanting to be right and go with the way to do something. You got to just do stuff, right? Um, that is a lesson that I had to learn. And I think crypto needs to learn that lesson. And I know you don't just do stuff when money's on the line, but we see, we see our government do it all the time. They're just throwing shit at the wall with money every day. So it's like, pfft. Might as well fuck it. Just just do it. Let something ride. Yeah. And if it doesn't work out, at least you have a track record to show. We tried this, didn't work. Now we're trying something else. Can we have some more money? So 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 <laughs> what happened? So like all these debates, did they manifest themselves into maybe like a podcast about crypto at some point? No, no, no. How the so the how the Bitcoin podcast came about is a very funny story. I think I've told it uh, a few times on different shows and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cello, my friend and I, we got really deep into crypto, but he always like if Cello was on the surface level, I was like below surface Corey's at infrastructure level. It's always been like that. He got tired of me talking to him about crypto. Right. And one day he was like, dude, you talk about this so much. I'm going to quit my other business. He had a business called. Uh, man, it's funny. He he actually had the largest anime website for like western people like he is called like japan cinema and cinema yep. japan cinema Corey he built it. that and uh it was crazy he grew to a point where he had like writers writing for him and like he was like yeah i just got really into japanese media and built a website about it and he was like i'm gonna stop doing that and i want to do this crypto thing with you because even him he's very uh sensitive to things that when they're gonna be a big deal he's in marketing he's in that arena mm. so he like knew he saw crypto and was like oh this an is opportunity to make money yeah he was like this is gonna be a big deal and he was like i want to make a thing with you about crypto mm -hmm. no it didn't even start with that it started i want to make something with you we started out making a board game it was great it's called stockpile 
We designed all the characters. We wrote all the rules. We had somebody looking at the balancing of it. And then we gave it to like somebody who's like an expert gamer and they tore it to shreds. Like they were like, yeah, this never wrote cones of Dunshire. What is that? <laughs> that was not the game. <laughs> they ripped off that game, Christian. Not, not, yes, if, uh, Parks and oh, Rec. Parks and oh, Rec. Okay. oh, it was, uh, oh, yeah. it, it never ended. Like we made that game, it took us a year and a half of while we were mining, we were making this game called Stockpile. It was going to be so good. God, it was going to be good. We even built like an Indiegogo campaign. But after we got ripped to shreds, we just gave it up. You know, because that's what you do, children. You quit. So, anyways, no, we one night we were getting a little bit toasty. And Cello was like, we should do a podcast. What are we going to do it about? And I was like, podcast? What is that? You're nerdier than I am. What's a podcast? He was like, you just say, what's a podcast? I was like, yeah, like, at the time, I had heard of it. To, like, it wasn't even something that was on my mind. It was also it was, was kind of interesting because the same time I heard about pod. No, I didn't say what's a podcast. I said what about? And he said, "What about Bitcoin? You could talk about that all day. You talk about it so much. You made me want to sell you my miner. Like, I hate it actually because of you." And I was like, "Okay, well, let's uh." Let's talk about Bitcoin. And then we sat for like an hour trying to think of a show. We were like the block cast blocks on blocks, uh, hat, like just all kinds of names we were rattling off. And then he like was like, what about the Bitcoin podcast? And I was like, does it exist? And he was like, click, click, click. No, it doesn't. Nobody has it. We bought it like instantaneously. We were like, are you serious? Like who does it? there were four podcasts at the time. And they didn't think of the Bitcoin podcast. We were like, oh, Jesus. Yes. So we get it. We get all excited. And he's like, well, we just bought it. So we got to do something. I was like, if you make the website, I will buy all the audio equipment. And he made the website in like an hour. I was like, oh, I, that's easy to do. And he was like, yeah, making websites is not hard at all. I was like, oh, well, they, they really make it seem like a big deal. But anyway, so he made the website. He's like staring at me. He's like. You can buy the stuff on a teacher's salary. I was like, I think I feel like I bit off more than I chew. <laughs> I was like, that's a lot of stuff. So I was like, fuck it, let's do it. We went on Amazon, put all the audio equipment on the credit card, right? Because I was like, well, I'm not definitely not spending my savings on this. I'm just going to spread out this cost, put microphones, all the stuff to hang up the mics, went to Hobby Lobby, built my first soundproofing. Oh my God, I still have it. Like, I built soundproofing out of styrofoam and like wires yeah. from Hobby Lobby and like hooked it to my mic mm -hmm. and it just like folded around my mic. It just looked terrible, but I sounded great. But anyways, um, we got all hype ready to go. And before the first episode, I was like, we need a third guy. And then Shella was like, I've already got the music. It says just two guys. And I was like, who cares? Nobody's going to care. And so, so I called Corey or Cello calls Corey. He's like, we got to get Corey. And it's a very crazy story how Cello knows Corey. But anyways, Cello calls Corey or hits him up on Internet talks. There's so many messaging things. And he hits him up somehow. Facebook message or something. I don't know. And he's like, hey, man, we're doing a podcast. You want in on that? And Corey's like, I'll listen to it. And then Cello comes back to me like tail tucked. And he's like, um, I don't think Corey wants to do it. And I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Corey loves this shit. And then I call Corey and I'm like, hey, man, what's up, man? We're doing this podcast. You in or what? And he's like, what do you mean in? And I'm like, do you want to do the podcast with us? Like be a host. And he's like, oh, that's what Cello meant. Oh, yeah, sure. I'll do it. And then I call Cello back. And I'm like, he's in. He's like, oh. I tried. <laughs> I was like, all right. So then we got three hosts and uh, we started the podcast and our first show was garbage because at, we were at Cello's computer desk. He was on that side and I was on this side and we were mm -hmm. literally just talking into each other's microphones. So it was yeah. like quadruple, quadruple echo. It was terrible. Yeah. And we got this, God, we got this dude from Africa. Cello could mm -hmm. find a guest, man. We got this dude from Africa who was like spearheading Bitcoin in Africa. Like 
he wanted like it was obvious to him and that's something that makes crypto obvious to a lot of people that aren't uh spoiled like us in america and in other places in the world mm-hmm. africa they don't have money they can't trust their government at all like we could trust our government it's, i hate that's a lot of news that's a lot of bad news to hear for people that listen to the show but in the comparison of good governments and bad in America, we're on the good side because in Africa, they just come in and take your stuff. And they're like, what are you going to do about it? Oh, you want to do something? Now you're dead. Right. That happens in a lot of places in Africa. So anyways, we interviewed this guy from Africa and uh, that was our first episode. Uh, I can't even remember his name. Sorry, guy. It was seven years ago. So uh, but anyways, I hope that answers your question. Yeah. So, OK, so you started a podcast because you and Cello were spitballing ideas. You went through a board game that didn't work. Yep. Uh, then he came up with the idea of what about a podcast? And then you guys sourced Corey and then mm-hmm. you started going. Yep. So all those years, well, when was that back in 2015? Yep. That all happened early 2015. That all happened like March. No, no, no. So, April, May. Yeah, May 2015. So show aired in June. It took us a month, <laughs> month to get going. All right. So so in all the years, I guess, uh, what has been your experience from going from complete novice to, I guess, whatever you would consider yourself? I think you call yourself GPP of, of I don't know, level. I'm a something. tier three GPP. Tier okay, three. there it goes. Yeah, that's the highest tier. Okay. So. Um, so what's been your takeaway from just the the tech in general and and what's your like are you still are you still interested in it financially are you still interested in it from a technology perspective like where's your understanding at now that's a very good question right now from a financial aspect you know i accomplished my goal of getting out of student loan debt um and then some right i i lucked in so early that you know now i have a savings that you know, builds on itself. And uh, I have crypto that builds on itself when it comes to value. And those are good things to have in your hip pocket in life in general. So I think financially, I feel smooth, right? To that, to that end, I feel good. Like, yeah, accomplish that. I'm not like SBF rich. No, I'm kidding. He's not rich at all. He's broke. He's going to jail. But, um, but I'm, uh, I'm good, you know, doing good there. Now I'm I'm leaning in on trying to learn as much as I can with the time that I have, you know, because life has also happened in seven years to understand what is good tech and what is not good tech in this space. Um, with new tech, and this is any new technology, I think it, any new technology is so surprisingly close to magic that it invites in magicians and I hate magicians. Like they're just fake assholes sitting up there with their stupid ass tricks, doing stupid ass shit, with mirrors and foldable things, making us think that they're doing something magic. And it's just like, you're that's stupid. You're stupid. Like, um, and it's so close to magic. It invites magicians that come in and take the things from it that are valuable and twist and turn them and try to capitalize from it. What are the things that are valuable? Mm, That's a great question. I think the things that are valuable are being able to have custody over your own money. Um, I think that's a very important thing that I think the powers to be would love for us never to have custody of our own value and our own money. Uh, I think the, another powerful thing um, is um there was at one point in time and crypto was like be your own bank obviously that's a very very difficult ask of anyone but it, it does have some things that touch on things that need to happen which is people need to have an understanding of the things they need to be responsible for in the world that we live in uh, digital footprint being one of them how you're interacting with the digital world that's a new responsibility that humans need to encumber and stop leaving that to people it's our reality now. Uh, we're headed that way. I think crypto teaches the behaviors of how to interact in that, 
how to how to how to live with that, uh, which I think is very important, uh, is what this technology provides. Um, I've also become very fascinated with the history of money uh, since this whole thing started. I think it's interesting that I, I think we're going to go back. I think we're just going to be a circle, right? I think there was a civilization at one point that kept the entire town's money on a disc. And the longer your line was, the more valuable you were. And it's going to be funny is that that's kind of like a distributed ledger. Like it's public. Everybody can see which wallets are the biggest and the longest. Um, they don't necessarily know who that is, but they know that that wallet is very valuable and it's a global communal uh, disc, uh, if you will. So that's so everybody shares the same length blockchain, right? Well, that, that's that's not what I mean. I'm speaking in the end. I'm like going in and out of the analogy. Like okay. If you had a disc with lines on it, the longest line would be the most valuable line. Be like um, whoever has a, like a lot of larger, large UTXOs. If it's Bitcoin, Ethereum, yes. it would be different. Whoever, whoever has the most UTXOs, which nobody's going to the club and making UTXOs rain, right? So there's <laughs> there's obviously somebody. There's got to be a link between this crypto and like real life stuff, right? Yeah. Like right now, you, that is such a powerful statement, and people are just gonna brush it off. But if you can't go to the club and make it rain UTXOs, crypto ain't taking off. Let me tell you something. We got to make that a reality. We got to. Uh, so um, those are the parts of the valuable. Uh, those are the parts that are valuable about crypto to me. Right. And um, I think people take advantage and it's easy to take advantage because this technology, like I said, is so dangerously close to magic. You get your magicians like SBF at Roland and said, hey, I know how to do that wizardry. So just trust me to be your wizard. And then people were like, wait a second. OK, I get I guess. Gandalf, I guess you can be my wizard if you know how that stuff works. Right. So. <laughs> we tried to make it rain app. We actually did try to make it rain. But see, Corey, that's not raining UTXOs. It was going to make dollar bills rain onto the stripper uh with bitcoin um that's a different story it's a different personal for a different time <laughs> so anyways um i hope that answered your question that's that's why i think this stuff is valuable so what do you uh what do you currently do and i guess do you want to spread the news about what's going on behind the scenes behind the scenes yeah like what i currently do with my job every day yeah and how are you pivoting potentially from that. Yeah. So my current job every day, I'm CEO of these four construction companies, uh, which means that I um, just try to make sure that we can op we can do the most stuff and with spending the least amount of money every day. That's what I do in a nutshell. How many actions can I get done? The cheapest. Sorry, the least. Sorry, let me put that back. The most effective use of monies to get stuff done. Um, but we are in talks for me to pivot on into crypto full time, which it would be different for me. I I finally feel like crypto's in a spot where I can take that risk. I tried taking that risk in 2018 and it just ended up in heartache for me. Uh, you know, not not being able to work in crypto full time. But I think it's mature enough where I can. We're trying to set up um like i don't know what would you call it jesse like um, just a show for can we name drop is it okay to name drop you think? uh yep you got a thumbs up we got a thumbs up to name drop so a a podcast for status um which if i could be candid can i be candid i mean you should always be thumbs candid. up status doesn't do the best job of giving everyone their status <laughs> So you got another thumbs up for that. <laughs> <laughs> so I will work in that irony and try to make it so that status can do a better job audibly and maybe visually for podcasting sake to tell everyone their status. What's going on at status? Status is one of the most profound companies in the space, but you wouldn't know that. 
and maybe that's a good thing, maybe that's a bad thing, but I think at some point there are people that need to know at the right times, and those people are needed here, right? So that is how I'll come to crypto uh, full time, and it's going to be a fun adventure. It'll be a definite change of pace, and it won't be a, an overnight transition, but it'll be a good change of pace uh, from construction, which is an interesting industry. Um <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, let me let me ask you uh, Corey's favorite question. Do you have any questions that I didn't get to that you may have wanted me to ask? Mm, let me think. No. No. Um, I was hoping you would ask me what my favorite uh podcast to make was okay what is your favorite podcast what was your favorite podcast to make it was definitely what the header (laughs) (laughs) it was Was it really don't lie to me don't lie to me no it was it was so much fun because it just i i like to enjoy myself as you could tell and we did not take that show seriously whatsoever even though we were like giving headlines people would ask us they were like hey since you guys were talking about the news could you Cause you just read the news and and that's it. And I was like, "What is this NPR? Fuck out of here! I don't care what." You... <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. No, I don't have to excuse myself. This podcast. I was like, "If you want the news, go to NPR." But they're not talking about crypto, so you got to come here. We're gonna talk about that headline, and then we're gonna say a bunch or whatever we want to say. And that was I had a great great time doing what the header. Um, it was fun. Well, we can resume that dynamic with Flash Ash. So we we, we are we're, we're even trying. better produced with Christian. So yeah, very true. <laughs> She's laughing. All right. So I have one last double question for you. Okay. And that is for someone looking to upgrade their kitchen countertops from laminate and being budget conscious, what tips would you give in terms of materials, where to go, how to negotiate the best (laughs) deal? Is there anything you can share as an insider? (laughs) Yes, actually a lot. Um, First of all, it depends on the application. Laminate can be outdoors, too. If you put laminate outdoors, I feel sorry for how much money you've wasted. Uh, But now let's talk about if it's for a let's just run through. Let's just run through the materials. All right. Okay. so the the, the longest bang for your buck is going to be quartz. Quartz is an engineered stone. It's engineered. It's not engineered stone. We're not God, but we take a bunch of stones and some nice resin and some Mm -hmm. technology and we make pretty patterns and we call that quartz. It comes in two centimeters and three centimeters and some millimeters as well. Wall cladding is what they call it. Uh, But courses, if you want it to last really long, can be trendy for a pretty long time. All right. Now, granite is natural stone and granite is one of my favorite. Uh, Granite is also inexpensive. Uh, Granite, grade A granite is what they call it. Um, It kind of just looks like sedimentary rock. So the closer you get to igneous rock, the more expensive the stone is. So okay, just, what is igneous rock? Just quickly. Damn, bro, you talking? You taking it back to grade school science here? Oh, we're we're, we're just wrapped. This is like the last. <laughs> you're giving me a brain dump of what you've been doing right before you jump in full time in crypto, and then your brain's oh, gonna yeah. have to like hold a whole bunch well, of different information. I would do an install and plumbing, which is interesting, but. Um, all right, so sedimentary rock is like, you know, back in grade school science, like it just mm-hmm. looks like a bunch of different rocks glued together. Well, okay. God does it, and we took what God did and slapped some shit on top and make it shiny. And okay. We got it in your house. All right, igneous rock is that stuff that God makes under like high pressure, and it's basically like cooled down lava. So it's a little bit closer to the hot stuff in a mountain okay, uh, or in a volcano, I guess, or was is an it more volcano homogeneous or something in terms of composition? Uh. N- I would say no, not more homogenous. The more homogenous you get, usually the cheaper the stone, right? Okay. So it's got a lot of different stones in it. It's usually more expensive. Some of our stuff has dolomite in it. And every time I'm like, my team is talking about, oh, that's got more dolomite in it. I'm like, all right now, I got more dolomite. Uh, so, <laughs> so anyways, I didn't even know it was a thing until I started working here. I thought it was just a pimp from the 70s. But anyways, um, yeah, so like the more varied rocks it has in it and the deeper they got to dig into the mountain, the more expensive it's going to be. Now, yeah, 
the thing I ten was, seconds. Ten seconds. Wrap it up. Ten seconds. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's slap some editing on it. Let's just Five slap, seconds slap now. Go. Style. Go. <laughs> I, can't, I can't work under that pressure. I need time. Um. By the way, granite is formed under pressure. So, no, I'm kidding. Uh. So. Uh. Anyways, let's say that I will say this because I don't want to give too many insider tips, even though nobody's listening to the show. Um. There's a lot of leeway when it comes to negotiating price. Okay. Anything that's naturally made from the earth and then is marked up to oblivion to give back to you, mm -hmm. there's leeway to negotiate price. Okay. Right. So it's it's the the cost to get it out is very cheap machinery. The biggest cost is shipping. Right. So you can negotiate price, and depending upon when you go in the year, usually if you go in the cooler times, you can negotiate that price a little bit better because nobody does construction in the cold times unless they've had a plan for a long time. Right. So people's backlog of work tends to go down in the winter. Mm -hmm. So you can start asking for better pricing. So right? around now, Christmas time, early next year. Yes. And if okay. you flash that cash, you're going to get some nice stone because cash is very powerful. Like I said, you can make it rain. So if you go in somewhere and you're like, check this out, I got three thousand dollars. You can mm -hmm. you maybe be able to negotiate a little bit better than if you're just like, mm, I don't know, it's a little bit expensive. It's a little bit expensive. We're gonna be like, if it's too expensive, get the fuck out. All right. Like, but sorry. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that's not what we do. That's bad salesmanship. We say. Uh, that's it. That's cool. all I can, I can go on, but I know we're running out of time. So well, thank you, D, for being on the show and I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And we're out. <laughs>